This is Cultivate a Good Life, Episode 7. Everything happens for a reason. Welcome back, because I never know what else to say. But welcome back. I am Becky Higgins, and with me is my friend and co-host, Becky Profit. Good afternoon. I said that on purpose just to make Becky Higgins You're mad. bugging me. Whatever time of day you're listening, I just had to give her a little jabberoony. You know what you should do sometime? Happy 4 o'clock in the afternoon, guys. After 3.57. <laughs> I don't know why that bothers me, but hey, it does. it's afternoon somewhere. It is. It's like it's 5 o'clock somewhere. It is. I just never want to make assumptions about when people are listening. That's all. That's all I'm saying. All right. What did you learn, sister girl? What did you learn from episode six when we talked about, I mean, you're you really did most of the talking. Right. Right. And so we talked about marriage. What was your biggest takeaway? So in preparing for that episode, you know, it was a lot of information I had gathered over the years and with personal experiences. But as I kind of pondered and thought about it, I actually really applied it to parenting. Yeah. Because I had, you know, over my life thought about a lot of those things in my marriage. But I actually thought a lot about um, tearing something down, how it's easier and quicker to tear something down than it is to build it up. And I really tried to be mindful about making sure that my speech pattern with my kids is always that five to one ratio that we talked about. Brilliant. And sometimes when you're mothering and you literally have to be having interactions that are, you know, correcting your kids, it can be easy to forget that. So trying to keep that five to one ratio and keeping it positive. I love it. Applicable to the parenting. How about you? Um, So two quick things. Paying attention to David's cues. Mm, Got to make sure you listen to episode six so you know what we're talking about. And the other thing was I love the tradition that you and Taylor have established with doing a goal-oriented thing for your anniversary. Like that's That's just very... It's fun. That's fun and solid. And since we're talking about cultivating a good life, like what better way to cultivate a good life together in your marriage than Mm -hmm. to do that around the time of your anniversary? That's brilliant. Thanks for sharing that. I'm super inspired by you. Um, Okay, so we have a little message to share from another one of our great listeners. You guys are fantastic and we are super grateful. I think that's a phrase I use too much. Mm -hmm. Is it? Super grateful. Mm-hmm. Um, Wendy, who we will introduce in a moment, definitely is confirming, <laughs> is confirming with lots of nodding that I say that I'm super grateful. I'm going to think of another way to say that I am... We're honored. Really. Honored. That's great. I'm honored for the feedback. Yeah. I want to hear. We're just a community of sisters trying to build each other up, and I really love and feel honored when you guys plug in with your feedback. It's great. Thanks for the verbiage. I'm going to work on some other options. Just watch me now. Okay. For my other ways to say that. It's going to be a new surprise every day. Oh, you just wait. All right. So this is a listener named um, Cassandra or Cassandra. We don't know how she pronounces it, but she's in Ontario, Canada and says, hi, Becky. I just listened to your first podcast. As someone who isn't really huge into podcasts, I wasn't sure what to expect or whether I would like these or feel the need to listen. But I gave it a try because I love you and your team. I love what you stand for. From Project Life to notebooks to your favorite products, you haven't led me astray yet. I wanted to tell you that I loved the first podcast. I love the other Becky, too. The real Becky. (laughs) She did a great job. Who knows? Maybe you will convert me to the world of podcasts. But I will for sure be listening to you again. Thank you for all you do. So nice. That was great. I feel honored. And I feel honored to be co-hosting with the fabulous BH. Aww. She is. She's a good egg. Thanks. You are also. Thanks. Um, okay. So, you know what we're going to do for Cassandra or Cassandra? What 
are we going to do? We're going to send her stuff. Oh, Cassandra. You Guess how we're going to send her stuff. She's in Canada and shipping's really expensive. So. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to hook her up with a, a digital gift card to our shop. Nope, we're not. She had a U.S. address. Oh, just kidding. It feels really awkward to sit here watching you guys have a conversation. And <laughs> because we like, haven't introduced you yet. <laughs> Hold on. Wait, we're going to get to you. All right. So Wendy's reminding me and we're going to introduce you in a second. But yes, that's right. Because Wendy handles customer service. We are going to ship her stuff because she happens to have a U.S. address. But let it be known that if you are outside of the United States and we choose you at some point, to share your iTunes review or your message or your feedback or whatever, you will be hooked up with a divinely wonderful gift card to the digital shop because shipping outside of the U.S., real beast. It's nuts. Ridiculous. It is really ridiculous. So don't you be worried. Our love knows no boundaries. It's true. You guys, lucky number seven. It's episode seven. How cool is that? Very. We are so honored. Didn't use grateful. We're so honored (laughs) that you, our listeners, have tuned in once again to spend some time with us. We're so grateful for your feedback. Hopefully you're going uh, and sharing our podcast on social media, through word of mouth, talking to your friends, however you like to share. And to be honest, I'm quite just thrilled about it. It feels like there's a lot of excitement building around the podcast, and that just makes makes us really happy. It makes us feel good. It really Thanks, does. guys. Thank you so, so much. And keep going in your efforts to cultivate a good life. You guys are doing awesome. And, of course, we're also very grateful to have our show sponsored. This is what makes the show possible is through these awesome brands and companies that Becky and I love, and we are more than happy to share with you. That being said, let's introduce you to this week's sponsor. We all know security in our homes is right in the forefront of our minds, but did you know that you can easily integrate whole home automation with a new or existing alarm system with Titan Alarm? What the heck is whole home automation, you ask? It is the ability to control your doors, lights, thermostats, lock, and alarm from an application on your phone. It's truly a life-changing service. I cannot tell you how many times I have left the house wondering if I had shut the garage door or locked my house up. I have used my app to unlock my front door for contractors while I was lounging on the beach in Saint-Tropez. Okay, that totally never happened, but I sure have let the house cleaners in the house while I ran errands like a madwoman. Titan Alarm can make your home an energy-saving smart home fortress and offers customizable services for any price range. They've given me peace of mind to know my family is safe and protected, as well as helping us make the most of our buck by making our home the most energy-efficient that it can be. When I tuck in bed at night, I use my app to arm my alarm system, which automatically locks my doors, turns my lights off, and changes my temperature to nighttime settings. And because Titan Alarm is so anxious for you to see what they can do for you, they are offering every listener $10 off any Titan Alarm service for 12 months. You can utilize this deal and find out what Titan Alarm can do for you by emailing Becky10 at TitanAlarm.net. You guys, we just love our sponsors. And do you know what else we love? Our sponsors. Special guest for today, the beautiful Wendy Howe. Woo-woo! Aww. Welcome, Aww. Wendy. <laughs> She's not only beautiful, her talent, and it's a special talent, and everyone will tell you if they've met her in person, that her special talent is that she smells really good all of the time. She smells 
like a rock star. No, oh, she does. Yeah, that's her talent. Would you agree with that, Wendy? Air day. Air day. <laughs> and you know what else I think Wendy's special talent is? Is she is the kind of person, kind of like we were talking about in the last episode, yes. about people that add light to your life. Yep. She is one of those people that when you interact with her, you just feel better. You it's feel true. brighter. And she is light. Mm-hmm. Let's oh. just keep talking Jeez. about her and embarrass her. Wait, I have to tell pink. one more Wendy what? story. Tell me. <laughs> so Let's do all the Wendy stories before I, she gets to her story. So there I was yeah. getting a pedicure. Mm. Oh, and yeah. you know I'm a friendly girl. And yeah. I started talking to this awesome girl next to me. And it was Wendy Howe. <laughs> and then I had later found out we had Becky as a similar friend. But my first interaction... Was I genuinely me. fell in love with her, and oh. I had no idea about the connection between us. Yeah. No, but you were in love with my mom and dad. Yes. Oh, your mom and dad are the best. So that was fun, because that's when you guys actually made the connection, we isn't did. it? And then that... we made the connection. Oh, and then we have... Yeah. And I remember I was wearing the bubble dress. You were. Wearing and she the was complimenting me on the bubble dress, and that's how Becky came up. Yes. Mm. And then I bought the bubble dress. Remember those days when we wore the bubble dress? Remember that? Doesn't look so good on you ago. girls. Does not look We thought good it looked good on us. That's not – guys, listen. I mean, sometimes you just got to wear something comfortable. Yeah. And it was only last year. It's not that far out of style. No. Is it? No. I'm here to tell you. <laughs> what? I'll wear it for you one day. Thanks. Um, not a good look for me. Oh, okay. Well, it's not for everybody. Moving on. Wendy has much more interesting things to she tell us does. about she than does. whether or not I look good in a bubble dress. You do. Wendy, and thanks th- for being here. You're welcome. I yeah. love being here. Wendy has already told me that this is the first of many, many episodes that she is planning to mm. be I like a part it. of. I know. Well, I just, I have ADD when it comes to telling stories. And I realized as I was preparing on what I was going to talk about today that I could easily. Mm-hmm. Tell a hundred stories that were intertwined with this story. Totally. So I'm like, oh, that's a that's another subject we could talk about. That's perfect. Anyway. Put it on the list of additional topics. I know. Correct. Well, and to to be clear, Becky and I feel this way with every single episode that we could go off on so many different tangents. And so I was telling Wendy earlier, I'm like, there are a million ways that you could take this because Wendy's life experiences are very rich, very deep. Very, very cool that have helped to shape her and mold her into the person that she is. And so that is why, all joking aside, like she's got to come back and she's got to share about this and that and the other because there's so much to glean from. And so we're we're super grateful, a phrase that I'm not supposed to say. You know what? <laughs> Let's just own it. If we have grateful um, attitudes, but I'm super maybe that's grateful. Great. I really am very... It is great to be grateful. Hey, is. super is trending pillow. right now. Everyone's saying super. I say oh, it all the it? time, too. It's kind of like legit or oh, all the things. Do you agree that I shouldn't be saying legit? Yes. Right. Thank you. I say it, too, and I agree that I should not say it. Right. Well, at least not in a recorded podcast. Correct. Where it's permanent. Unless you're talking to MC Hammer, of course, then you can Who say it. Who is too legit to quit, as we've talked about For before. Real. And now we just aged ourselves. Great. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? I like aging. I feel like I get I truly. Too. I feel like I get better well, and happier. I'm smarter. With age. Yeah, with a lot for sure. Of stuff. You yeah. are smarter. And one more thing worth noting about Wendy as she gets into what she's about to share: she's a grandma, and not just once, not just twice. Can you tell us about your grandbabies for just about ten seconds? I have four grandbabies. Mm. My oldest is a little boy, and he's adorable and perfect. And then he, and then I have my other daughter had a daughter, and. They're both in their two years of age. <laughs> and then I have, they each had another baby. And so I have another granddaughter and an, 
and another granddaughter. I have three granddaughters oh, that's and one son. So grandson. fun. And if you look at Wendy, you just can't even believe that she's a Mimi. No, you just way. Can't. unless you get close. Because nope. things are changing. You, my friend, are <laughs> what's area. known as a stone cold fox. Oh, you're agree. so nice. You're a stone totally cold agree. granny fox, is which you are, Wendy. How? Hey, and it, if I say that I'm 58, then people think I'm amazing looking. So she's not 58. I was going to say <laughs> she's not what? 58. Um, I should be so lucky. I'm 46. To look half as good as Wendy Howe. Mm-hmm. 46 and looks More. amazing. 40 sexy, as my husband calls oh, me. Oh, that's cute. I love that. They don't even need episode six. <laughs> I love it. Oh, husbands, call your wives. 40 sexy. I like that. And by the way, everyone needs episode six. I didn't actually mean that. Everyone can benefit from that one. Okay, mm-hmm. moving on to the new topic of this day. Wendy, uh, we've invited to come on because of all the stories that she could share, to be honest. She was really thoughtful and prayerful about which one to share first. And that is why this episode is called Everything Happens for a Reason, because the three of us sitting here today, and hopefully many of you, really truly believe that and so through the illustration of what she's going to share we hope that you will really feel that in your own life Wendy's story isn't your story none of our stories are exactly the same but as we share some of our experiences we hope that you will really apply this to your life and feel that everything truly happens for a reason where do you want to start sister um well I think it's the story is of how we became a family Mm-hmm. My my husband and I. Um, I want to give a little bit of background on Lauren and I because that will help. And um, so Lauren and I shared something in common. We both had lost our mothers when we were kids. I was about almost eight years old, and Lauren was fourteen. Mm-hmm. And um, so when we came together, when we started dating, you know, aside from being super physically attracted to each other (laughs) um stone cold foxes (laughs) um i realized quickly that he was a lot deeper than his good looks Mm -hmm. and And long locks and long hair and big (laughs) muscles and he had an earring but whatever (laughs) can i just commit right now that we will include a picture in the show notes yes that ties into this visual that we are yes he had an earring and i didn't even have my ears pierced yet so (laughs) But it did help my dad decide that I was old enough. Well, that's when great. my prom date had an earring, that's he let hilarious. me get mine pierced. So. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I was 17. I love your dad. <laughs> me too. Anyway, so um, losing our moms was a traumatic experience, obviously. Mine, my mom died in a car accident along with my little sister. My little sister. Yeah. And Lauren's mom um, had cystic fibrosis and was sick his whole life. Wow. So... Um, he was 14 when she passed. So anyway, those were traumatic experiences. But when we came together, we knew we wanted to be successful. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but mostly we wanted to have a family. He really wanted a family. And that's what I wanted. Like, that was our main goal. Mm-hmm. And so um, we got married. And um, we knew it was funny because because of the car accident that I was in when I was a kid, I had been told that there was an, there was a chance that I'd have difficulty bearing children, mm-hmm. and so I had oh, I had told him up front that you know I had told him that and and we had decided that we didn't care we were going to adopt we would do whatever it took to become a family and to make our own family mm-hmm. and um, 
anyway, my first, our first child, Charlie, came not too long after we were married. She was a little bit of a surprise. We weren't planning. And we've got one of those too. <laughs> I think she was like 11 months after we got married. Yes, so, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And um, so for me, having lost my mom, I. I had some insecurities about, especially like when I met Lauren, like when I first met him, I loved him like I hadn't loved anybody mm-hmm. before. And that scared me because then I was afraid of losing him. Sure. And so when Charlie came along, our oldest daughter, um, same thing. I remember being very, all the feelings that you have when you become a new mom mm-hmm. and then immediately starting to feel scared to death that... I feel this way about this little child right. and now I'm in trouble because I can vulnerable. really get hurt. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, and um, is this identified as PTSD? Would you yeah, say for like sure. Yeah. Post-traumatic stress disorder, because if you, if you have something truly stressful and traumatic happen to you, it's hard to not feel the effects of that. Even if everything's totally fine and going to be fine. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a topic in and of itself, but that's, that's what I was going to say. That's another kind of, topic. Yeah, like I, yeah. when my dad would leave the house after the car accident, I knew he was going to die. Mm-hmm. If, Every time he left yeah. the house. Ugh. So, well, and I imagine, you know, PTSD has varying de- degrees of severity, right. but I wonder if a lot of things we feel in our lives, you know, come from those past experiences yes. mm-hmm. and ev- even to a small degree. Oh, yeah. And I think it's great to identify that as saying, you know, this is what it is. So you can kind of give a name to that almost irrational fear you're having. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because it is irrational, but yeah. it's very, very real. But it's very real. That's right. <laughs> and it feels real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So... Anyway, Charlie, she, I was taking her down for a regular scheduled checkup. I think she was six weeks. Mm-hmm. And our doctor, my, my pediatrician, I went with a girlfriend because we had to drive an hour because oh, we were wow. going to college at the time and we lived that far from our pediatrician. Wow. And we drove down and he said, did you know that Charlie has a heart murmur? Mm-hmm. And I said, no. Mm-hmm. And he said, but that's not a big deal. Lots of people have heart murmurs. But then he went on to add, but I can't find her pulse in her legs. Oh, wow. And uh, so I'm concerned about that. And I want you guys to go over to the hospital and get the little teeny tiny cuff because she was super tiny. She yeah. was like six pounds. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, uh, she he said, you need to get to Salt Lake. You need mm-hmm. to get up to Primary Children's and see this cardiologist. I think she has a correctation in the aorta. Mm-hmm. aorta. And a correctation of the aorta is just your aorta is restricted, is narrow, mm-hmm. and um, it affects blood pressure. It, it, there's all kinds of things that can cause. Anyway, so that was kind of – that was our first child, and I was like, I'm oh, doomed. Man. Like, mm-hmm. I'm yeah. never going to be happy. Like, I'm never going to have that joy that I wanted. This is like the worst fear and pain that I've ever had, and mm, yeah. that was really, really scary. But as always, I am – a. Um, I have a very strong faith and I pray. That's mm-hmm. how I get through. That's after my mom died. My dad told me, if you're ever lonely, if you're ever scared, talk to God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you talk to God, he can give any message you want to your mom and your sister. Oh, and great. so he honestly, God was like my uh, imaginary friend growing up. Mm-hmm. I spoke to him a lot. <laughs> That's a great way to put it, Wendy. So, I love how. I never thought of that. Really? That's amazing. And when you think about praying and having a dialogue with God. It can be like that, having that constant conversation. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always have to be when you're on your knees, but having that constant conversation mm-hmm. with a friend. 
Right. I love how you put that. Well, and I, I was much older when I realized that not everybody did that. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I really, my dad told me that and taught me that and I had seen him be prayerful mm-hmm. through that situation. And I just, it literally got me through my childhood mm-hmm. and just all the trauma that comes with Right, dealing my, and working yeah. through that. I would assume, um, I, I don't want to go to sidetrack because it's a topic for another day, but I would assume that that young, you were in your youth, you were so young, and the analogy that you made to an imaginary friend is so poignant. I think a lot of people are like, okay, I can see what that means. I, I imagine that it was through that experience that you were able to realize and learn of the reality of God, that mm-hmm. it, he wasn't an imaginary friend, but that he mm-hmm. was real in your life. Again, not to segue like so far, no. but I would imagine that that prayerfulness that you had as a child was significant in you developing not just a relationship with um, you know, an imaginary being, but somebody who you know mm-hmm. does know you and loves you. Well, and I know, and I knew back then that he existed. Mm. I knew he was real. Mm-hmm. I, it was no, it was not a question, and it never has been for me. It's amazing. Um, the gift. I and I realized later that that was a spiritual gift mm-hmm. that I had been given. So, mm-hmm. anyway, um, with that, I with that diagnosis for Charlie, that's how we got through that. I I felt peace. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, through prayer and and we got through that and she when she was about three years old she had her heart surgery and she had that corrected but um, so anyway that's just a little bit of backstory about where we came from before uh, we decided that uh, adoption was going to be our route because I I was able to have two more children after Charlie Mm -hmm. um, uh, Stephanie and Emmy and after my second one, the doctor told me, I don't know that you should do this again. Mm, and yeah. But it wasn't a for sure thing, and I felt like we could do it again. And so we did. <laughs> like, thanks for the advice, but yeah. actually we're going to go make another baby. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And um, But after that baby, mm-hmm. I knew that she was going to be the last just because of a lot of complications right. that I had. And mm-hmm. and I had to do all C-sections because of my I, the car accident, I had a broken pelvis that was never healed correctly. Mm-hmm. And um, so I got my tubes tied after that baby. And that in and of itself is another, like, that's a big deal when you yeah, are are no longer able to do that. Right. And um, so we knew that our family was not complete and that we would adopt so we just thought, oh, we're going to adopt. We're just going to adopt. Mm-hmm. And you then, sign up and then yeah, it just happens. We're just going to have some cute babies and right. it's going to be awesome. And we very quickly realized that birth moms do not want to pick you usually if you have biological children already. Right. Which makes a ton of sense when you think Absolutely. about it. Yeah, because sure it they're concerned with – they want their child to be the sun, moon, and stars right. to whoever mm-hmm. – has them because they want the best for their baby. Mm -hmm. So anyway, we we realized that and – but I said I would never, ever do foster care. I wasn't going to get involved with the state or do any of that because Mm -hmm. of where we – I had come from. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to get my heart ripped out. I didn't want to sign up for something and get all excited and then – be heartbroken and devastated. So I said that, you know, we're never going to do that. So Understandable. And and such respect for people – that end up fostering yeah. that is just a really that man that's a really hard thing i have Very such respect hard. for people that can do that because really you are totally putting yourself aside and and giving up all control yeah giving up yeah. all control basically yeah. something that you ended up learning about. and right? yeah control is something when you have trauma 
like I need to have control to mm-hmm. fill, to mm-hmm. be able to, to breathe. To feel safe. And yeah. To feel secure and, <laughs> yeah. and live. And um, so anyway, um, I, with, with feeling that uncontrollable feeling and, and foster care, we thought, well, we'll just adopt, we'll look at special needs children mm-hmm. and because they need homes. And, and we know we're not, our family isn't complete yet. And, um, and right about that time, I was, wasn't feeling well. I had had my third baby mm-hmm. and, um, I, th- things were off and not right. And, um, but I thought it was stress. We, ha- we also owned a business and that was part of our life goal. Like for my husband, um, when we decided to open up, we opened up a big O tire store mm-hmm. in, um, Colorado. We picked the town that we wanted to raise our kids in a small mm-hmm. town and, and built the store from the ground up. We bought the land. We did it all. That was our dream. And yeah. we had a plan. Like we were going to retire in this many years and, mm-hmm. and all of it. And um, we went through an embezzlement. Ugh. And that was devastating. It was a, a good friend of ours. And we had put all of our trust in. Mm-hmm. And when that happened, we were just... I mean, talk about loss of control. Yeah. And that need you had to have control and then have have someone take that away from you it's mm-hmm. of course the loss of, of money but more than that the loss of that control and security right and somebody that was close to them yeah. i mean wow. the, the the level of betrayal mm-hmm. which is why that's a whole other it is i mean mm-hmm. anyway yes that's hard it was really difficult and um we got the store but everything was okay financially with the store but lauren and my husband at that point after going through all of that which mm-hmm. was a, quite a bit of time um, was like, I can't, I don't want to do this anymore. Right. This is not my dream anymore. And, and so we sold the business. We put the business up for sale and, and we sold the, the business. And right about that time is when I was getting sick. I wasn't feeling well. Mm-hmm. I was having mm-hmm. really bad headaches. Um, I, I was, I was going to the chiropractor all the time just, mm-hmm. and he finally said, I think you need to get an, an MRI. Mm-hmm. And we lived in a teeny tiny town that didn't, have those kinds of things right. <laughs> and so um anyway long story short i was diagnosed eventually and i needed a neurologist and i the closest neurologist was seven hours either Holy way cow. so that and a- one of the ways was arizona so we were going back to our family anyway because we were going to sell the business mm-hmm. and um it was just it was really devastating i feel like i'm i'm rushing past that part of the story but that was our dream. Yes. All of our eggs were in that basket. Yeah. Right. Like Lauren got his degree in business because that's what we had ended up deciding to do. You'd pick the perfect place. Right. You wanted to raise your family. Probably had all these visualizations of mm-hmm. growing up in rocking chairs on porches. Right. And yeah. 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 And so, but anyway, that we just knew after, again, prayer and a lot of um, thoughtfulness and, and con, you know, talking to my dad about it. He was our... He's always been our advisor um, that we needed to move on mm-hmm. and, and do, find a new dream. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we came to Arizona. And um, again, I was sick. And we hadn't sold our house in Colorado yet. I had mm-hmm. tried, I'd stayed for a while while Lauren came to Arizona to find a job. I stayed back with the girls. They were in school and um, tried to sell the house. Well, the house didn't sell. Mm-hmm. And so we came down here. Uh, to Arizona and we were making two house payments and I was thinking about getting a job 
to help supplement things, but I was so sick. And mm-hmm. then I had two little girls. Yeah. Or three little girls. Sorry. Yeah, that's right. Because it's after yeah. Emmy. Okay. Emmy. Emmy was about uh, about three years old. Okay. So we were down here and we went we went to church and met new people and got friends. And some of our friends that we were hanging out with had little girls just like us. And they had four girls. And, and um, we were visiting one day and a little boy ran into their room. And he was a, a beautiful little boy. Just fell in love with him instantly. There was just something about him. And I'm like, is this your nephew? And she said, no, no, this is our foster, our little foster boy. And anyway, I had a feeling that just pierced me. It was like a lightning bolt. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I went throughout that night, the rest of the night with them. And um, we're about to leave and go home. My husband and I were in the car together. And Lauren looked over at me and said, so what did you think? And I said, well, they're really great people. And he goes, yeah, but what did you think about everything? And he just looked at me. Mm, And I said, and I'm not going to say his name, Mm -hmm. this little boy's name, but he said his name. And what did you think about him? And I said, I think we need to, I think we need to adopt that little boy. Mm -hmm. And he said, so do I. And my husband doesn't do that. Right. I mean, we just don't do that. And it wasn't financially a good time for us. It wasn't physically a great time for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was foster care. Mm-hmm. I was right. never going to do that. Because right. if you both had this impression that you needed to adopt this little boy, did you just instantly know that in order to do that, you would have to enter into fostering? Well, Is that what you're saying? I asked. Oh, okay. So you, you Foster re- moms, and I, I asked and got advice, and that's not how you do it. You don't find a kid right. and then get mm-hmm. certified to be a, a foster parent. That's not how it goes. Mm-hmm. Right. But we felt so strongly, and um, we knew that the family he was with wasn't planning on adopting him, mm-hmm. that we should go forward and go ahead and get certified and do all the things. And it took about a year to oh, do wow. that. Mm-hmm. Um, to so we did that. Both and of you, just to clarify, both of you had a distinct impression, oh, yeah. individual, mm-hmm. and and apart from one another. And the fact that that he brought that up, and almost he didn't even say the words. He was just saying, "What did you think about everything?" And then that's what brought you to the same. It's it's kind of amazing how clear as day that was for both of you to recognize the 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 prompting and the feeling that you had mm-hmm. and to come together quickly on what that what that was well and from the outside it was crazy right like we couldn't even tell anybody really we told a few close friends right because it was crazy you don't you don't yeah. do that and um and it, by the way you're having health issues and it doesn't make sense right Right. It was there not were so good timing. so many things that didn't make sense about no, it. No, but we knew because right. we prayed about it mm-hmm. later together mm-hmm. just to confirm what we were feeling. And every time we thought about it, we got that same – I don't know. It's like a tingling feeling. Mm-hmm. I know that sounds crazy, but it was just a great, amazing inside feeling. You just knew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just knew. And so I knew that it was right, and so did my husband. And so we went on that that journey together uh, to get ready to be fost adopt parents, which is mm-hmm. different than just fostering. It's you have the intention on uh, intention of adopting, and and it's called fost adopt. Fost like adopt. That, that is the mm-hmm. term. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so we did that, 
and super naive. You know, I had some sure. friends that were foster parents that tried to like, you know, t- say this is not how you do things, right. but this is what you need to do to get get to that point. And um, and I and going in, I'm I'm that person that I know the worst is going to happen. Sure, <laughs> like right. Right. you've been prepared. So I wasn't yeah. totally naive. Like I felt like you know, but because these feelings were so strong, I'm like I'm not ignoring that. That's right. right. So we got completely prepared to do that. And it was to really for our family and the the research that I had done previous to this mm-hmm. about adoption was that we didn't want to displace anyone in our own home that was already in our home. Right, right. So Emmeline, Emmy, our youngest, was just older than this little boy. Okay. And so it worked out yeah. that he would naturally be her younger brother and mm-hmm. come into our home. And so that makes sense. Yeah, so there was a lot of thought and preparation, right. even though it was kind of a spur of the moment that we made this decision. And anyway, so so we get to the time where he is severed, where he's finally able to be severed from his biological family, parents, Okay. so he can be adopted. Mm-hmm. We're at that time, been preparing for that, ready for that. That was kind of your goal going into right. all of this. Was this right, because we weren't going to do foster care, mm-hmm. per se. We were going to do foster adopt. Have them until we could have them officially adopted. Right. Well, um, when the, it came time, um, the judge over his case decided that it would be best that he wasn't placed in a family with the three kids that we had. He, he needed to be with a family with no children or a family mm-hmm. with older oh, siblings, like a lot older. Mm-hmm. And that was that. Yeah. Oh. It was done. Like and just from that from that judge's call. Yeah, it mm-hmm. was over. And it was devastating. It was like losing a child. It was losing a child. I cuz he was mine and I loved him. Mm-hmm. And Lauren loved him and I was super mad. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I was really upset and um I could not understand as close as I try to be to my inner self and and my feelings and when I pray and the answers I get. Mhm that I had that answer so strongly and so did Lauren. Right. And now this, like what the heck? Well, that, that's the point. Right. And how does this make any sense? And I had people right. saying, well, right. I mean, you know, you were probably supposed to just get into this be, be, and that he, he was the reason. But when you're going through that, you don't right. want to hear that. Yeah. Like, no. no, that I already know that that's what you should be thinking, but that's not why I did that's this. That's not what you're feeling. That's right. That's not what you're processing through. He's supposed to be ours. Mm-hmm. Didn't happen. Right. So we had a, I really struggled um, for a long time. And well, it felt like a long time for a, a few weeks. And then I finally went and talked to a church leader mm-hmm. because I needed to get outside of like family outside. Yeah. Lauren and I were too close to the situation. Yeah. And in talking to him, he gave me some really great counsel and and when I left his office, I felt I knew that we were exactly where we were supposed to be. We mm-hmm. had a, a foster foster adopt license mm-hmm. and we needed to do that. And he had assured me and I felt confident that things would unfold the way that they were supposed to for my family mm-hmm. if I went ahead and moved forward. And so we started out fostering um, children from an um, through an agency that was a private adoption company because for me that was easier mm-hmm. to start out with because these children were coming to me and Lauren to get to just do that initial bonding mm-hmm. 
while they were waiting to go to their adoptive family. Okay. So they and already had an adoptive family they already had a, lined up. Right. Okay. And I would go and meet with the, the birth mom mm-hmm. before she gave birth. Mm-hmm. And then when it was time, be there and get the baby mm-hmm. and, and then have the baby until this child went to its forever home. Right. What an experience. And knowing that you're doing that makes it easier. Right. Thinking that that's your child. That's right. And so, you know, I was able to take pictures and document and do the things that I would want Mm -hmm. if I was that child's parent. Yeah. Forever parent. That's so cool. So we did that. And we had quite a few kids that we did through that agency. And that was a really good way to kind of break us in to Mm -hmm. fostering and using our license. And yeah. And so we did that. And, and, um, and then we started with some some kids that were actual foster adopt kids that it looked like they were going to be um, cleared for adoption, eventually severed for adoption. And um, we got our heart ripped out a few times. Like I bet it was crazy things happen. And 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 I don't want to make the state or CPS or anybody sound bad, but they're overwhelmed. There's mm-hmm. so much going on. And sometimes things are missed in paperwork or relatives or whatever. And, and surprises happen. And sure. all of a sudden, that child's not yours right. anymore. Sure. And so um, that happened. And we were at a place where I was like, I can't keep doing this. I don't know what God had in mind, but this I know I can't keep doing. Right. And so again, Super prayerful about it, and we decided we were going to take a break. We because we'd we'd had um, in total at that time about eleven kids that wow. we had had in our home, and most of them were sibling groups. So oh, that okay. it wasn't one at a time; it was a couple at a time okay, usually, right. and all younger because we did zero to three years old, mm-hmm. all younger children. And again, another like there's so many stories from that time in our lives, sure. but. Um, it, so when we got to that point where I was just like, we need to stop for a while. Like, I can't mm-hmm. keep doing this. I at, By that time, I had made friends with some caseworkers. I was um, friends with a, a guardian ad litem, which is an attorney for the kids. Okay. okay. And um, told them I had a really good reputation with the caseworkers because you, <laughs> you smell good. I smell good. You smell delightful. <laughs> I'm accommodating. And, but I had, I had great mentors yeah, that right. taught me, this is what you need to do. And this is how you need to handle things. Right. And you can get more, catch more bees with honey. Exactly. Yeah. And so I was doing that a lot and they loved me. And so they knew that they could depend on our family That's to cool. foster these kids. What a blessing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I told them, you know, like we're taking a break. I, I need, uh, we need to find our kids mm-hmm. that we're going to adopt. And so everybody kind of knew that. And um, one day I got a call. And, and of course, we we're being prayerful through all this time. Right. right. And I got a call from the guardian at Lightham. And he said, Wendy, I have a brand new baby boy. He's brand new. And it looks almost like a sure thing. They can never say that it's a sure thing. Yeah. But it looks really, really, really hopeful. Mm-hmm. And um, and my heart, when I when he was talking to me, I just felt like, yes. That this same is, feeling. It huh? feels good. Because I'd had a lot of calls before this that did right. not feel that way. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm like, okay, tell me more. And he said, well, here's the thing. He has a sister who is older and already in custody and care, in mm-hmm. foster care. And she's in a home that's only foster. So... If you will take her, then you will get him because you're foster adopt. Right. 
And these kids look like that's where they're headed is to Mm -hmm. adoption. And I said, okay, let me talk to my husband, you know, and I called him and we had been prayerful already, but we prayed about it again. Right. (laughs) Can never have enough prayer in your life. Exactly. But it felt, there's just, when you feel right about something. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And so we called him back and said, okay, where do do we get him? Where do we get these babies? We're ready. And um, he said, well, why don't you go and pick up little girl first, go get her. And, um, she's been in, she's in her fifth placement Oh wow! and she was only 14 months old, oh, wow. which is very significant yeah. because of what, what happens when a child is displaced, when attachment is disrupted. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, um, on multiple occasions. I mean, yeah. hard enough when it's over the and over. one time, but five times, you said, mm-hmm. in yeah. that short time. Right. That's a lot. And these children came from a background of drugs and, mm-hmm. and bo- both had physical issues from that. And um, anyway, but she was with this this family that was only foster. So we got to go and pick her up for a visit mm-hmm. and kind of a test run. That sounds awful, but yeah. just to kind of get to know yeah. her and see if things well, and felt to feel good. it out. And, right. and I imagine you really want to make sure not only that it works out in like the pragmatic sense, but that it's right, that mm-hmm. it truly is that you and Lauren were her and his parents. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Which comes, I think in feelings like to be able to feel that out, like right. literally, pay attention to the feelings that you mm-hmm. have as you're spending that time together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you go to pick her up. Go to pick her up. We get there and it, it was, it felt kind of weird and off with I the bet. other parents. Cause Ooh. at first you feel kind of weird about that to begin with, Sure. Right. but they were a little bit different about how they were. And she looked really rough, really, really rough. Mm-hmm. And like they didn't know we were coming, but I knew they knew we were coming. So interesting. I don't, anyway, it, it was interesting. She looked, she was very unkempt. She had, she just, it was, she needed love. Yeah. And she, and it looked like I was getting her from not a foster home. That's right. how I felt. Mm-hmm. And I, she of course came to me right away. And I say, of course, because, um, a lot of kids with attachment issues mm-hmm. will go to anyone. Mm-hmm. Okay. And she came right to me. Um, I got her in the car and, um, we went home and when we got home, we had some experiences with her where she was scared to death of some things that there's just normal stuff that you do with babies and like bathing and Mm -hmm. the way she reacted to me trying to do those things with her scared me so much that I had like a physical reaction to Mm -hmm. her reaction um, that I called the, the caseworker and said, we're not taking her back. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. But I feel like she just needs to stay here. Yeah. And she was like, well, do you want to go get her stuff? And I said, nope. We have we have three little girls already. We have tons of stuff. Yeah. We're good. And wow. so that was how we got our daughter. And so she never went back. She never went back. To place that Mm-mm. I that can only assume yeah. was... It, was... it was a foster home that it just didn't feel good when I was there. Yeah. And she, anyway, Brooklyn yeah. is her name. Beautiful Brooklyn. She we had Brooklyn. Beautiful. Stunning. And pictures she, in the show notes is <laughs> yeah, all I've got. So gorgeous. Inside Brooklyn. and out. That cute Brooklyn. She, she gets is. all of her good stuff from me. Obviously. <laughs> anyway, then a um, couple days later, we, we got to get Porter. And I picked him up at Claim Jumper. That's where I met his um, <laughs> oh, wow. emergency receiving uh, mm-hmm. foster mom that had him because he was a, just had came out of the hospital like a week or two before that. Mm-hmm. 
And Claim um, Jumper, by the way, is a restaurant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> regional. So I don't know that everybody would know. Claim Jumper down. parking lot. That's where I met and picked up. So my did son. um so had Brooklyn and Porter prior to this ever been together, you know, knowing that they're brother and no. sister, they had had they ever they had had they ever met? No. Oh, wow. And they were full biological sib- siblings, oh, which wow. is also rare yeah. in foster care. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. That's really cool. They they had never met, but Brooklyn, again, was just 14 months old. And um, we noticed right away that she wouldn't let us soothe her mm-hmm. uh, when she was sad or um, she would get hurt, like fall off, and she smacked her face Um from the swing set, she fell from the swing set and smacked her face really hard and was bleeding mm-hmm. and wasn't crying. Oh, wow. And, wow, wow. but then would cry about other things that you mm-hmm. would think wouldn't be something to cry about. There was just some so, signs that she was things that you noticed pretty quickly. Right. Mm-hmm. That okay. she wasn't, and she wasn't really attaching. Mm-hmm. And I had not experienced that. Right. With all of the other kids we had before, I had not felt that from a child before. Mm-hmm. And, and we had from all different backgrounds. And anyway, Porter, our son, he had, because of the drugs in, in utero that mm-hmm. happened, um, he had a lot of stomach issues and belly issues. Sure. And as a newborn, colic. Mm-hmm. And he was really colicky. And he, so because of that, I was, con- I was holding him constantly, yeah. mm-hmm. doing skin to skin with him, doing all the things you do to bond with a newborn baby. Mm-hmm. And helping him every time he'd eat and, because his belly would just go oh, nuts. And man. But because of that, we bonded very, very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. And um, so long story short, the two of those children in our home was an answer to the prayers that we'd always had about our kids coming. We knew. And another thing I need to say that I've always known that family is sacred and right. I've always felt that it's my main purpose is to have a family, whatever your family looks like, right. whether it's biological, whether it's friends that feel mm-hmm. like family, that we were meant to be mm-hmm. that family. Mm-hmm. And um, so during this time of Brooklyn not bonding was really difficult for me because I felt like that was the thing I was the best at. Right. right. And you bonding and being that a mom with all of mm-hmm. those kids. Right. It was like my talent. Right. And because I lost mine, my mom, mm-hmm. my dad remarried when I was very young, right at, not very long after the car accident. Mm-hmm. And um, my, my new mom had two little kids that were younger than me from a previous marriage. And I just, and, and no fault to her, but it was very hard because they were like a little unit. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you guys were like a little And unit. we were a unit. Mm-hmm. And so to blend that was difficult. And so in my, from my frame of reference, I just wanted everybody to always feel like they belonged right. mm-hmm. in our home. And even if they were only going to be there a little while, they were our family. That they had a spot. Right. Mm-hmm. And so um, anyway, with Brooklyn, she, she wasn't bonding and it was really difficult for me, like really difficult where I started to resent her and she's this innocent little child. Mm-hmm. And I know in my head, it's not her fault, but it felt, it didn't feel good. It probably felt personal. Yeah. It felt like she wasn't, it, was personal. it wasn't that she wasn't bonding, but 
I mean, I, that's probably how I would internalize it is totally. that she wasn't bonding to me. Right. Yep. Why yeah. can't I, why can't I be what she needs? Mm-hmm. And that was really difficult. And so again, I was on my knees asking God, why is this happening? Like mm-hmm. we're totally bonded to Porter. Yeah. And we're not, and I can't, it's not fair to her to grow up in a home where she feels different. I don't mm-hmm. want her to feel different. Mm-hmm. And I was angry again because I'm like, I can't not keep her. Like I have to, I have to work this out. Mm -hmm. And um, so that was going, it was an ongoing thing while we were working with her and I was getting her all the help that, that um, I could get her. Mm -hmm. And um, one day I heard the news come on. I was in, in the kitchen doing the dishes, making dinner. And I heard something about a foster mom being arrested and it was before TiVo or any of that stuff. And so I ran in and sat down on the couch and was watching the news. And as I sat there and watched, the mom that they were talking about was Brooklyn's foster mom. I have goosebumps right now. No way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> and um, she was being arrested because a child was uh, died in her custody. Oh, my gosh. And it was a new baby that had colic. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where Porter would have gone. Oh. And right then... I knew that it was going to be okay. All of my prayers were answered, even though the problem wasn't fixed. Mm-hmm. I knew that all of everything has happened for a reason. She's mm-hmm. supposed to be here. She's a part of my family. Right. She's a family. We were a family before we came here. And that is something that Brooklyn taught me. But um, that day I knew that it was all exactly what God intended for us Mm because I was questioning that and I was really hurt but when I saw that I'm like okay this is exactly what it's supposed to be Mm -hmm. and um it it was amazing and so because nothing even changed the circumstances but your whole perspective as I listened to you it seems like everything just shifted right you had a whole paradigm shift because Mm -hmm. you saw it differently nothing changed but your thoughts about it it was like somebody was saying, changed. Wendy, it's going to be okay. Yeah. In the end, it's going to work out. You're going to bond. You're going to feel everything because it's supposed to be. And I trust mm-hmm. that if it's supposed to be, then that. So it, when that happened, it, it changed my attitude and it helped us. And we eventually bonded. It took a while. It took a couple of years. But by the time they were officially adopted, um, by the time they were officially adopted, th- uh, we were bond. We were bonded, mm-hmm. and she was bonding. And but it was a couple of years, and it wasn't. It wasn't e- always easy. And there was a lot of things that I learned. Um, for instance, about her biological family and Porter's biological parents. Um, their dad, um, he, their biological dad, he, he wanted to keep them. He fought for them. But I learned from a very wise foster mom who taught me. When they go on visits, because they would have supervised visits with mm-hmm. him. Um, when they go on visits, make sure that you send a little notebook and mm. share a little something from their week. Mm-hmm. So he knows that you care that he gets to be a part of their life. Right. And then I said, would say to him, please, any questions, write them in this notebook and I'll be happy to answer those questions for yeah. you. Mm-hmm. And it took a lot of guts for me to do that because as being so worried about attack, like right. keeping my children, I didn't want to get I, like they were my kids. 
Right. I didn't even want anybody to know that they were foster kids. Like mm-hmm. that's just how strongly I felt about it. Totally. Not that it, there's anything to be ashamed about, but I just, they're my children. Mm-hmm. And, but I couldn't make him feel that way. I made him feel the truth that, that we love them. And in the end, um, after all the, all the legal stuff, he said to a judge, if I can't have them, I want Wendy to have them. And wow. that was powerful. No yeah. kidding. And I can tell my kids it's because he loved them. Yeah. He he had a, an addiction and so did their mother. Mm-hmm. And the addiction was stronger than anything. I mean, he could not even have a clean urinalysis. He just right. – and it, that wasn't because he didn't love his kids. Right. So anyway, um, they were – they became our children from the very first day – that we had them. I, I always felt that way. I was always a mom instantly when that baby first gets put in my arms. But, but, um, when, when I, that news story came on, I just knew that everything was going to be all right. These are our children. Mm -hmm. This is the family that we're supposed to have. And looking back, all the dreams and everything that we had for ourselves was nothing that happened. Nothing Mm -hmm. turned out the way that we had hoped. And, and, um, financially since that time since having our business we have we've had work struggles with the degree that my husband got there's mm-hmm. not a lot a business degree doesn't get you a lot and and we've struggled with job security over the last 20 years since mm-hmm. well 15 years 16 yeah. years and um but just the other day Lauren said to me the store big o would have been paid off last year wow Wow. and that was our like we would be retired basically and um obviously i'm still young and (laughs) (laughs) you are yeah so but i'm it doesn't matter because we got we won the we won the lottery we have the the main dream was our family and we have an amazing beautiful wonderful family and my porter i I feel bad because I it's like they're my favorites, but they're it's I love all of my kids, <laughs> and, but they get a little bit more attention because of their unique the way that they came. I always used to tell Brooklyn um, and Porter, you know, your sisters came C-section, mm-hmm. and you guys came adoption. My my when they were mm-hmm. little, I'd say my mommy's tummy broke, and so God had to send you to another mommy's tummy. So mm-hmm. I could get you. And and, mm. and I w- had told her that. And we, it was right when we, we were getting ready to officially adopt them. And um, but we were at a stoplight. And Brooklyn said, Mom, is the adoption place in heaven? Mm. Uh-huh. She said that. And when she did, it was like another like lightning bolt mm-hmm. hit me. And I was like, it totally is, honey. That is where the, uh, we become families before we come here. Mm-hmm. I believe that with everything in me. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and it's it's true anyway. So it's I highly recommend um, adoption, but I also highly recommend if you're going to do adoption, especially through the foster care system, is that you get very educated. Yeah. Um, something that was really interesting to me that I learned when I was getting ready to uh, adopt when Lauren and I were going through this the the classes, something about attachment. Um. They showed us some research in a video of a, a mom that was a smoker. Mm-hmm. And they talked about the correlation of birth weight and, and smoking and how that affects birth weight. Because when a mother lights up a cigarette and starts smoking while she's pregnant, the umbilical cord restricts. Crazy. And so that's why there's birth weight issues. And there's right. other stuff that comes mm-hmm. with that. 
But the very interesting thing is that when you show that same mother a picture of someone smoking a cigarette yeah. mm-hmm. and she sees that with her eyes, that the umbilical cord would restrict. And oh, it was wow. because of the physical reaction mm-hmm. that the mother had to that image. And when that physical reaction happened within her, the baby felt that and thought, here comes the smoke. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so, or anyway, the body. The, and so, anyway, that illustrated to us parents that even if you get a new, brand new newborn baby, attachment was disrupted mm-hmm. from where they came from, from their birth parent. And a lot of moms that are giving their babies up purposefully mm-hmm. or not pur- purposefully, but if because they have right, drug even. problems mm-hmm. or whatever, aren't bonding to those children because they're either not in their right mind because of drugs mm-hmm. or they're purposefully protecting themselves from bonding with that child. Right. There's a lot of moms that don't even know they're pregnant for months mm-hmm. because they don't want to know. Right. Well, that affects the unborn child. And so anyway, that, that was just really interesting and it made me realize in pre- preparation for this, I was talking to a girlfriend of mine who owns a, her and her husband run a, a home for boys and we were talking about attachment issues, and mm-hmm. uh, she was just saying not enough people know about it. Um, attachment issues happen all the time, and she said, you know, you have that. And it, and I didn't – I had never really put that together, but I do. Mm-hmm. And so does my husband. We have, we have, you know, my anxieties and the things – I'm not a real crazy person. I have reasons for those feelings, right. but it's it's just so amazing – that I'm just now really figuring all that out mm-hmm. and why our children were perfect for us. Totally. Because we just love, loved them the heck out of them. Like from the very first second we were with them and mm-hmm. they were our kid. And that was the most important thing is that they felt they felt that that bond. I mean, for the longest time, I, I would forget that I hadn't given birth to them. Oh, I'm sure. Because so, that's how strong that was. Mm-hmm. And what a beautiful example of just the illustration and the point of sometimes God's plan for our life is so much bigger and greater than we could even dream for ourselves. You guys had had a great dream planned out, but you know what? There was a better dream and a bigger dream. And now yeah. look at your awesome family. I know. And you have awesome kids. Every last one of them is awesome. They're pretty good. They're, pretty, they're a lot better than I was when I was their age. <laughs> That's because they've got a... Good mom and dad parents. <laughs> yep. I would be willing to bet as we kind of um, tie a bow on on some thoughts here um, that is in terms of understanding that everything happens for a reason. And when you think back to how it all just played out in your life, that it wasn't on one day in one moment that you all of a sudden realized, oh, hey, everything happened for a reason because look, now we're a family. Right. Is it safe to say that that came to you line upon line and a little by a little? Like, is that what the experience was kind of over an extended period of time? In layers, especially especially when we first met the first little boy that had changed our mind. We were like, this is why yeah. everything happened with the business the way that it did. Because mm-hmm. there, we were in a teeny tiny town. There weren't, mm-hmm. right. there weren't cases like this to be had for a foster adopt. There, mm-hmm. It wouldn't have happened there. We right. wouldn't have found our kids unless we would have moved our family and given up our dream and or traded our dream for something else. That's and, right. And we knew we were supposed to do it. As hard as it was, that was the path that we knew we had to take. And 
but you're right. We we realized that um, when we started down that long road of getting ready to adopt. Yeah. And because we had to continue to remind ourselves why we were doing it. Mm-hmm. And um, but everything else, literally, uh, just last week when I was preparing for this, I just I see see things in a different perspective now because you can look back and see if you could just have faith, mm-hmm. trust God. He does have a better plan. He for does you. always. And how often we get, I'm the kind of person that kind of will become fixated on like what the goal is and working towards the goal. But so often in my life, especially um, when, when talking about things I don't understand, it seems like I'm showed, I'm shown the next step I need to take, but I don't know where that step is going to lead until much, much later. And I look back and I'm like, that's why I was supposed to do that one step. But how important it is to listen to that, to the voice inside that says, this is what you need to do. And how important it is, like you were saying, to have the faith to take that step because oftentimes you're just shown the step and it takes courage to take the step but then you end up in a place that you never dreamed that you could be right oh oh god fear is crippling i think fear Mm -hmm. has been my biggest thing my biggest challenge in my life because i i'm afraid i'm afraid i'm gonna lose people i'm afraid someone's gonna die i'm afraid i'm gonna die i'm afraid of Mm -hmm. everything sometimes Mm and realizing that if i you know a lot of people know this. A faith and fear can exist at the same time. You you can't be having f- strong faith and be scared to death. So you have to step outside. And I remember th- saying to a girlfriend when when we found out that we weren't going to be able to adopt that first little boy, um, what the heck? Why did I have such strong feelings that we were supposed to do this? Why did my husband have the exact same feeling at the same time? And it's because God knew. And and I don't care who you are, the universe, whatever, the plan was that I would not have done that mm-hmm. unless I would have had those strong feelings. I never yeah. in that time in my life ever would have done that. Yeah. And so it, you know, that's what it took for me to take that step and have that faith. So I also wanted to add that sometimes we have um, many times, hopefully, ideally, we have those moments of clarity that we then understand, okay, this wouldn't have happened had that not happened. Mm-hmm. And you see the puzzle pieces come together. And I think that there are times where we don't actually see the result of why something would have led to something else. And so my point in that is that whether we have clarity about it or not, part of what I feel like our combined um, message and thought here is that Things are supposed to happen just as they unfold. If you are doing your best to truly cultivate a good life Mm -hmm. and you're really paying attention to the feelings that you're having, those promptings that you're receiving, and you're doing your very best, and just like you were sharing about you and Lauren and taking every step that you took and many times that you felt confused or angry or frustrated about the process, whether you recognize later down the road or not, you had the faith to put one step, one foot in front of the other. And to know that that was exactly what you were supposed to do, even if it isn't revealed to you about why. Mm-hmm. If I hope I'm making any sense. No, but, and, and that yeah. most of the time, some of those most oh, the most important steps are, that are accompanied with fear are are the most important ones, right? They're right. the ones that actually aren't steps. They're oh, huge yeah. leaps For onto sure. a different path. For sure. Wendy, you go, girl. <laughs> Way to have courage. And, and to do all the good that you've done. Your family is an amazing example of faith and 
to be honest, I'm quite lucky to call you friend. I agree. Oh, I feel the same. I feel the same. And I don't feel like I'm any more special than anyone else. I really think we just handled what came. Yeah. Right. I thought I would never want to be a foster parent. I thought I could never survive losing a foster child. That mm-hmm. happened a couple of times. Mm-hmm. But I survived and I kept going. And you don't think you can. But you just do. You just do. You just do. And yeah. anyway. Thank you so much for sharing that. I hope that um, our desire is that, as I said that in the beginning, but as you listen, think about think about Wendy's story, but think about your own story. Think about what you've gone through in the past that has led to you led you to a place where you would not have been otherwise. And also recognize that whatever you're going through right now, as thick and difficult and trying as it may be. Please understand that these things unfold for a reason, by design, and and that's it. I mean, it's it, it will all work out exactly how it's supposed to, even when it does result in mm-hmm. loss mm-hmm. or despair or extreme pain. Or I mean, these are every. I believe firmly that every experience we have prepares us for other things, mm-hmm. and that looks so different for everybody. But I really believe that. Press mm-hmm. forward and hold on tight. For you sure. can do it. Yeah. You can do it. And we are so thankful that you came and spent some time with us today. Thank you again to the beautiful Wendy Howe for sharing with us that <laughs> precious and amazing story. We That's also can't, great. Say, we can't say her name without saying she's also beautiful. Because, oh, man, have you seen her? Beautiful Wendy Howe. I'm not feeling <laughs> especially beautiful, but thank you. Notes. I'll just leave it to your sisters to remind you that you are so beautiful. Yep. Well, I do and have attractive listener, children. You do have attractive children. <laughs> and listeners, let me just extend that to you. You're beautiful too. Agree. You look great. And you smell good. And you smell Let's hope. Good. If you don't, there's there's ways to get there. We will teach you. Yeah. In fact, in the show notes, <laughs> we will link to her favorite we, fragrance. Well, she has some legitimate fragrance fragrances. Okay. Yeah. But it's at a shady shop. So yeah. I don't know. I mean it's just a little mom and pop. I don't know if, if everybody could get it. You know, all the multiple Are listeners you from you all over the world. Shady shops? I do. Oh, it's in the shade. There's some big trees right next to it. And it sounds like Wendy, uh one of your shady shops could use something from our sponsor. Because they're all about peace of mind and protection. Obviously. And by the way, speaking of that, thank you again to Titan Alarm for sponsoring this episode and being a sponsor of the podcast. I never mentioned this um, when you were talking about them earlier, but my husband's a huge researcher of everything, and he researched the heck out of what our new home is going to be basically protected by, and we are all over Titan Alarm. So that speaks volumes to that company. We love Titan. We love you guys. Enjoy the rest of this week, and we will – we won't see you next week. We always say we'll see you next week, but we won't see them. But you'll be in our heart. We'll be thinking about you. We will have you in our hearts all the week long. And, and every day. Always. Always. And then we'll – You'll be <laughs> in my heart. You're welcome. Can you please go into the second verse? Um <sighs> – let me let me think about it. Bye guys. Bye. <laughs>
<laughs> Everybody clear your throats together now. <clears throat> I don't ever have to clear my throat. Hey, I did notice two words that you guys made up oh. in one of your podcasts. Oh, Ooh, let's hear it. Tell us. Becky's was momentous. momentous. That is momentous. Instead momentous. Of, oh, no, that was monumentous is what monumentous she said. Monumentous instead of monumental. And, oh, man. <laughs> Go me. And Ooh, I love it. Becky. Me? You. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, there's too many Becky. Just look at all of them. <laughs> the real Becky. Was disingenuine. Disingenuous. She did. Genuine. Disingenuine. I that's what it sounded. And I think it's not that. It is. It is. That is the word. That's what I said. Oh. I was pretty positive you said disingenuine and monumentous. Monumentous. Lauren and I were like. Do you think maybe you need to seek Stop medical laughing. attention? I'm pretty of sure going to go blind soon. And then a chiropractor. Is this being recorded? Masseuse is a naughty. <laughs> it is. a massage therapist. A masseuse is different. How is it different, Beck? Because in well, her mind, I've never visited he's big and he's muscular and doesn't and it, have a shirt on. And his name is Ramon. <laughs> <laughs> David's okay. dad always blamed the barking spiders. Yeah. Is that a... I, it's an old person thing because I used no, to I've hear my grandpa barking say spiders. barking okay. spider. That's a barking spider in here. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought they were called damn barking spiders. For real. Like I thought that was the name of them. They live in the Hoover Dam. <laughs> Where it's legal to say that word. Right. Oh. Every time we go over a bridge, oh yeah, you know the one in page. There's a damn tourist. Taylor'd be like, "There, what if I was a damn engineer?" 